Grow fam, this is Stephanie Rodriguez, editor and producer of the Regenerate Revolution Life Soil Success podcast. We hope you enjoy this episode. And today's guest is going to be Mondo, who's a grower in Northern California who specializes in indoor growing. How are you doing today, buddy? Doing good, doing good. So what brought you into growing? Uh, I was introduced into the cannabis world. Um, at a very young age, I mean, I, I assume we all are, right? Um, yeah. But growing, per se, uh, I was introduced by my grandfather. Um, he has he has a bad back, so he started growing medicinally back when it was only medicinal. So you're basically a third-generation grower now. Yes, yes. Third-generation Northern California grower. That's rare these days. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, coming home after school, um, the family was working in the, in the yard, they needed help. Um, so yeah, that's how I was introduced. And what, what is it about cannabis besides obviously it being maybe a side source of revenue that really interested you and like, what, what is your love and passion regarding growing? Um, lots of, a couple of different things. Um, one, there's just countless strains, countless, um, scents, fragrances, looks um colors um i love being outdoors um i love working with my family um yeah it just yeah that makes sense i mean for me it's like variety is the spice of life and you know like you can this one time you're growing a plant that tends to be purple one time it tends to be green mm -hmm. orange red whatever yep. different and smells then, flavors yep and then you talk to breeders and then you, there's potential of of new things and you know it's just it's true the grass is always greener on the other side and it, yeah it keeps changing i'm like i'm like traditional agriculture where it's like you're growing soybeans it's the same soybean you're growing for 30 years versus cannabis you know four months later you might be growing a totally different plant that grows differently yep and it's it's a uh, way stronger than it than it is 10 years ago 15 years ago yeah you know, I know you go from every you know, year it gets stronger and every year they come out with new stuff and new you know it just I remember when I got involved like in 2000 2001 like it was like 14 to 16 percent was pretty standard pretty yeah. standard pretty high mm -hmm. in some instances and then now 28 30 percent yep the standard that people are wanting yep whether they really get that test result or not yep and they're pushing for more and pushing for higher I mean it's getting pretty wild. Yeah. I mean, what do you think that a lot of growers are doing wrong in terms of like, you've been cultivating for a long time. So like, what is the biggest mistake when you're seeing other people's flower, like that you see, you see they just haven't been trained right, or maybe they're not following like proper rules? Uh, really like, um, I mean, are we talking outdoor, like indoor? A pet, like, like a pet peeve. When you walk into somebody's indoor room and you're like, you just look at it and shake your head. Like, what, what are those things that you commonly see that they're... Uh, the spacing, spacing in between plants or, um, you know, how, how they're watering. Um, and do you like spacing that's like... Cleanliness as well. Yeah. You know, cleanliness is kind of a big thing. Um, not water on the ground or anything. Just trying to keep manicure, manicuring. They're they're not really they're not really pulling leaves or tending to them as much as they should. Yeah, they're not defoliating enough. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
And when space, when you go back to spacing, well, what is your, what do you think ideal spacing is? I mean, I said spacing, but again, that's that's an opinion. Some some people, there's many different styles of growing. It just it depends on um, you know the poison you pick. Um, there's there's disadvantages to every type of growing. I mean, from flood and table to to drip drip lines to I mean to outdoor to I mean. There's different things, different battles with every style of growing. Um, yeah, I said spacing because I I prefer not to have my tables overloaded because mm -hmm. I like to have workspace. Yeah, and that's important too. But you know, if you talk to a guy that does sea of green, they're gonna say, well, if you have one bad plant, you're you're losing two three ounces. Yeah, you know. As opposed to me having one bad plant and I only lose one ounce or, mm -hmm. you know, half an ounce. Because mm -hmm. I have 99 others on the table <laughs> to take care of, you know. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I look at plant spacing as it really depends on the environment too. Because yeah. if you're in an environment where you're chasing humidity or you're chasing mm -hmm. cleanliness, I mean, you could have... Or light space. Yeah, or light space. height. Mm -hmm. Any of that type of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And like, you know, when we toured some farms in Oklahoma, we see that... That they want to do the sea of green method, but they forget that if one plant gets powdery mildew because it's very rampant in that area, that now all of them get powdery mildew. Yep. So. It's a yep. chain reaction. Yep. I mean, really, I've what I have found and I've what I've learned is doing a sea of green is is really it's really hard to have a high quality. Um, maintenance um, routine just because it's so stuffed it's going to be really hard to get your spray where it needs to be it's going to be really hard to really eradicate anything that's going on in your room yeah uh, I, I think people underestimate not just controlled indoor environment but depending on where you live in the country I mean I think can make a huge difference not, yeah. not only from the cost of power for that indoor room but if you're not changing your HEPA filters and yep. you're in a space that has mm -hmm. what mold mildew in the air yep you know whatever else people spraying pesticides outside your facility yeah i've walked in many a room and seen black carbon filter oh. free filters i mean it's yeah it's rough rough i've been in a lot of rough rooms yeah, so I mean, it sounds like, you know, they need to check their environment, mm -hmm. check their airflow. Yeah. They need to check their spend lighting. Spend more time. Yeah. Spend, just spend more time. I generally say an hour a day kind of keeps the, the, the pests away. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, are you favoring cocoa? Are you favoring soil? Are you favoring... So I've, I've grown with all mediums right now what i've what i'm doing is um the hugo blocks i'm doing the six by six hugo blocks and i'm doing flood and drain right now um and that tends to give you a nice root mass and all right for me it's it seems to be the easiest for me as far as transplanting goes um getting rid of all my my garbage after um maintaining my roots cleaning them checking my my root health all those things i'm able to do all of those things because i rock the hugo yeah yeah and obviously you've run the cost comparison and it seems like it's working out yeah i mean okay so i've i've gone to you know the hydro stores here locally and 
you know, the bags of cocoa or soil are ranging from 16 all the way to 22. And, you know, I'm rocking a eight light room and I've got 96 plants in there, 100 plants in there. So it's, it's going to be a high cost. I mean, we're talking a, a high, high cost just for doing the transplant and then the pots, cleaning the pots. Um, yeah, it, it's, it, it would be a lot. And I would need a, a large work area, a large workspace to do that. Um, the Hugos, I just need to fill up one reservoir, pH my water, put all my Hugos in there. I have my my little tray of clones, and and then I have my little workspace. It's 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 really convenient. Mm. And how how are you keeping your root health? Like, what is your root health maintenance program, would you say, with Hugos versus... So, okay, so that's going to really entail on everyone's recipe. Um, everyone's recipe is going to be different. Um, really, you, you, you've got to really pay attention to the health of your plants, looking at the leaves, um, looking at, um, you know, are they, are they perky, are they high, are they... Are they dark? Are they lime? Mm -hmm. um, you've just got to really pay attention to that. And then also, um, I live by the PPM meter. I live by the PPM meter. I kind of let that guide me on a lot. And for people that don't know, it's parts per million, and that's pretty much an indication of what is uh, in your liquid that's coming out. Yeah, how hot your feet is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's going to tell you the strength of, you know, your parts per million of the fertilizer components that are dissolved in your water. Yep, and um, how high or how strong your, your feed is going to be, that's going to change from strain to strain. Yep, and each strain tends to have its own quirks, right? So yep. some strains will like more magnesium than others, and some of them you can throw a bunch of calcium at it and they'll suck every bit That's of it That's right. Um, so yeah, if you're, if you, if, I mean, generally if I'm planning on switching strains, I talk to people, I try to speak to people that have grown the strain before. I want to talk to them, ask them how maybe they've, they've ran their room. Um, to see if there's been any issues with that type or to see if I see any common common problems between the people I speak to about so I can kind of ready myself or maybe I don't want to take those battles on at all. And do you think that that correlates to like maybe resin production and how frosty a certain strain could be if you just, you're not quite dialed perfectly into the recipe for that? Oh yeah, type? for sure. So if you're, if you're, strain or your 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 if your plant's gonna have a hard time um or any type of stress that's gonna definitely it's definitely gonna tamper with the resins and how sugary it's gonna look and then yeah. how how big they swell yeah i think people always underestimate that maybe a strain they thought wasn't a good strain, but maybe they just didn't run it properly. And, yep. You know, and then they yep. someone else shows them, hey, look, I got this one. It's sugary. It's frothy. Mm -hmm. It's resiny. You know. Yeah. So um, that's always like I always tell people try to at least run the strain the way everyone recommends that they've run it a lot of times to see if you can yeah. pull the maximum out of the genetics. And so. you could have some very weak clones. I've had very weak clones before, and I chose deliberately not to run them because. I knew I was going to have a weak run. 
Yeah, that makes so you want to have strong clones, strong babies, even if you have to keep them in the tray for another two weeks after you've received them to make them stronger, to make them yeah, right. proper. The stronger the roots go in, I mean, the, yeah. the better the plant's going to be throughout its life cycle. Mm -hmm. so. And you want the plant to be strong so that way you can give it strong feed. You give it strong feed, it's going to grow big. Breathe life into your soil with Green Grow, organic, sustainable, all-in-one soil additives for your gardening and farming needs with the highest quality, non-harmful ingredients. Locally sourced, Green Grow promotes probiotic soil building that will nurture and help your soil flourish, maintaining a living soil system for your plants to thrive. Easy-to-use products for all stages of growing. You take pride in what you grow, and so do we. Grow only the best with Green Grow Biologicals. Order online or find your nearest location where Green Grow products are sold. The fun part where I think everyone screws up, which is drying, curing, and trimming. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I guess from my perspective, the cure is kind of almost everything, but I think you could start from the drying process for everyone at home and like what you see or what you like to do when you dry. Just right when you cut down, like what is your process from right when you cut the plant down? Well, that, okay, so for me, I don't, I don't, I don't cut any of the fan leaves off. Um, what I do do um, is I cut the plant down. I do try to not leave as much stock on there as possible, right? So it, when all the when it starts branching out, I'll cut to there, right? And then I'll, I'll hang my plant upside down in a hole. Um, and that's going to sit like that in 60 degree. 60 degrees. 60 degrees. Uh, usually I try and say 60, 60 and 55. Okay. 60 degrees and 55 humidity. And tell everyone why you think 55% humidity is, is good. And this is this is exactly what I do, everyone, just so you know. So 60 and 55 is pretty close. To yeah, I mean, you can you can get away with doing a 60-60. Yeah, sure. It's just going to take you a little bit longer, right? Um, yeah. The, the, the idea is you want to go low and slow, yep. okay? You don't want to go hot and fast, or you don't want to suck all the moisture and rip it out of that, um, because what it's going to do is you're going you're gonna to shoot yourself on the smell. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to lose terpenes. You're going to lose terpenes. Uh, it's just, you're going to mess it up. And, right? and if Don't be in a rush. This is the one thing you don't want to rush. No, of course. So... For the people listening, if you were doing it ideally at 16.55, how many days before you start kind of thinking it's getting close? It's going to be between 12 and 15 days. Good. Around there. Yeah. And, you know, for a lot of people listening, you know, when I travel the country, I hear people say that they, they drive for five to seven days, and I always look at them cockeyed going, there's just no way. Yeah, the, you know? that means they suck-dried it. Yep. Yeah, they suck-dried it. They're, they're in a rush to, to, to make some money, really. Yeah. They're in a rush to make some money. They have brokers pushing them to... Yeah. To, to get it out the door. Yeah, and I mean, so because, yeah, like what Armando is saying here is, you know, 12 to 14 days, and then from there, what else? So when it when I do think it's getting close to that time, I'm going in the room, um, I'm, I'm grabbing the smallest plant that I can find, and I'm snapping branches to check the moisture inside of the plant, and then after checking the smallest plant that I could find, I'm going to go check the largest plant I could find so I can get a happy medium of where my room is as far as is it ready to be taken off the stake or not. And are you doing any like post-curative 
stuff, or is it going in a dark room, or is it going in a jar, or is it's it... It, it's it, I cut down and dry all in the same room that it grows in, mm -hmm. so it's completely pitch black dark in there. Mm -hmm. um, I when it's ready to be taken off the stick, I, I cut it down. I put it all into air airtight totes. Mm -hmm. Um, and then those totes are going to be, those totes are going to be getting burped. Mm -hmm. And that's part of, that's going to be part of the curing process. Yeah. And you know, we're, we're basically burping, which means we're getting rid of some of the ethylene gas that helps yep. to, uh, finish the curing process. Yep. So just because you put it in the tote doesn't mean it's ready for sale. Yep. It's still got a cure. It's still got a couple of steps left in the process before it's ready to go into the, the bag. And for someone that's a new grower, maybe they haven't grown that many times successfully, what does curing do for like the taste or the flavor or like what is the advantages for someone? It traps it. Yeah. That's what curing does. If you really want to think about what curing is or what curing does, it, you're trying to trap all the good that the that that bud has the smell the taste those are the two things that you're trying to trap and when you take it off the stick and you throw them all into the totes there's going to be a lot of moisture picking back up inside of those totes and that moisture is going to give off a hay smell mm -hmm. a bad smell mm -hmm. and you don't want that smell to be trapped in there with your butt it's going to smell like that mm -hmm. so you're going to want to release aka burp yeah Burp those totes, give them a good toss. All that bud that's sitting at the bottom, you're going to want to toss that stuff around. You're going to want oxygen to get up in there a little bit. A little airflow. Yeah, just a little bit. Not too much. It's controlled. Yeah, controlled. And are you trimming post, pre, after? So once that stuff is kind of dry to the touch, kind of crisp to the touch, then I'll begin trimming it up. And then as soon as it's trimmed, I'm throwing them into buckets with rubber seals. Black okay. buckets, rubber, rubber, rubber seal at the top. Okay, and that's going to be the final storage place until yep. it sells? Yep, and even, even then, it may even need to be burped. Yep. And, you know, technique on trimming. I mean, can you, can you give the audience any type of, like... What would be some good technique to make sure that you're, you're trimming the cannabis appropriately? So, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that, um, I mean, you could go, you could be really, really kind of irky about it, or you could be loose about it. Um, what I have found is the, the, the looser the trim is going to be, the cheaper the pounds are going to be. Um, the tighter the cut, the more pretty your stuff is going to be. Mm-hmm you're going to lose a little bit of trimming weight, but in the end, your product's going to look better. I think so too. I mean, I think hand trimming has always looked a lot more presentable than like a machine trim. Yeah, the, the machine's going to be a looser cut. Um, it's going to make your pounds look, they're going to look a, a little worse. Um, when you When you have that loose cut on your pounds, you're going to put all your pounds in one place. You're going to have a lot of duff at the bottom of your yeah. pounds from that loose. Yeah. And then you might have some complaints. Um, it's just, it's just not as presentable. So yeah. when you're trimming, you want to have a tight trim and you want to stay away from machines. 
Yeah, I think so too. I mean, the machines are going to knock off some of the trichome heads and yep. things that you want. Yep, and they're going to. Any, I've never met a machine that gives you a hundred percent back. You know, they're going to they're going to eat they're going to eat up ounces from your crop. And like, do you post process any of the trim, or what do you do? What's your process? so with all the trim and all of that? What all those whatnots? Um, you know, sometimes I'll I'll make butter. Um, Sometimes I'll sell them to my my brokers, my, yeah. my trimmings. So you don't want to. That's not part of your production process. No, yeah. no. And it seems like that's the case. I mean, you got producers, you got hash makers, you got rosin makers, and, and you know everything else. And a lot of the time, if you're a guy that's focusing on production, focusing on plant quality and harvest, like you're not going to have the time to do all the other <laughs> extraneous activities. Yeah, and if you're a person that smokes concentrates, that's yeah. thinking about buying or using trim to make concentrates and you don't have the know-how to do so, no one is gonna go halves on your trim with you to make product for you. They're just gonna wanna buy your trim and make their own. And rosin press with your trim is not time productive no. so no it's better off for me just uh, for time um to just get rid of the trim save a little bit for butter yeah and i mean i guess you know because we've seen a lot of people especially in california sitting on cannabis or maybe they, they they grew too much like what do you think the lifespan of cannabis is like what's the storage capacity mm. Like, if you had a store... Is it kept in a cool, dark place? I mean, let's just say the ideal person is keeping it in a cool, dark place, but they're leaving it in those black and yellow totes. I mean, mm. how long do you think before it oxidizes or before it shouldn't be saleable? Honestly, if they're in those yellow totes... It's probably safe to say just a couple of months, two yeah. months, probably. Um, I've seen I've seen green bud be thrown in those green, those black and yellow totes, and a couple months later they're brown. Yeah, we've seen a lot of that, and that's the you know all up and down Northern California. We've seen people just all right. Well, I'm just going to store it in a dark warehouse in those totes for six months. And I'm yeah, but they open the totes and then they close the totes, and they're trapping oxygen inside of the totes, um, and there's oxygen in there. And the, just because they're keeping it in a cool, dark place isn't compensating for the action they just yeah. did. So, like, if they were, if someone was going to store weed for six months before they sold it, what is there any advice you'd give them? Uh, is this is this going to be trimmed or is this going to be pre-trimmed? So if it's going to be pre-trimmed, I would suggest throwing them inside of turkey bags first, and then throwing them inside of individual buckets, two per bucket. Okay. And what if they already bit the bullet and they trimmed everything and then they lost their buyer for a while? Like what could same they do? same deal, same deal. Yeah, two per bucket. Okay. And it's sealed and yep yep. There's no air or light or anything getting in there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. If you really wanted to be extra safe, you could always food safe, vacuum yeah. seal your stuff. You could do that too. Yeah, and I've seen I've seen people Just be careful of the stems. <laughs> yeah, because I could poke right through the back. Yep, and then you go check on your stuff a couple months later, and it's brown. Yeah, <laughs> and then you try to sell it to somebody for 50 bucks a pound. <laughs> yeah, 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 and then you yeah you have a big problem. Um. All right. 
Hi guys, it's Stephanie Rodriguez and I'm jumping in because the last question that Mark asked Armando didn't get recorded um, and that was if there's any advice that you'd like to give beginners or people that are growing in general and this is what he had to say. Any advice that I would give to anybody beginning growing or growing at all would be for starters would be to pH your water and second to that would be to spend an hour a day inside of your room to keep all the problems away. Thanks for coming on Armando. He did not want to plug anything for himself, but per usual, you can find Green Grow on YouTube at Green Grow Biologicals, Instagram, The Green Grow, and our website, thegreengrow.com.